for just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Today is October 4th, 2022, and today's guest is Bo Martonic. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Fall Podcast. I am your host, Aaron Blasey, and today's episode is 239, and today we've got a good one. Bo Martonic from East Meets West Podcast is uh, joining me tonight, and uh, or today, I should say, whenever you're listening to this, really. And uh, we've got some awesome conversation coming out of this one. There is a litany of different things in this podcast revolving around October deer hunting. I mean, anytime in October, and we do dabble on the rut a little bit, but it's more of October based. And, you know, Bo talks a lot about hill country where he's, you know, comes from and we throw in some ag and a lot of tactics and, you know, different things do. We talk about thermals and ag and in, you know, hill country and stuff like that. So it's pretty cool. There's a lot of stuff that goes into this, but uh, I'm glad Bo and I could catch up and, and do this for the first time ever. Him and I, you know, we've, we've both listened to each other's podcast and, and, you know, followed each other on social and we run in the same kind of inner circle, but we've never technically met. So this was a good uh, kickoff here. So, it, you know, I can't wait for you guys to listen to this one. Um, I've got a couple things I want to talk about real quick before we do get in this. I did launch the new, uh, as my phone goes off, that is uh, very unprofessional of myself. But uh, <clears throat> last Saturday, October 1st, I launched a new series called The Season. So this one's The Season 22. And uh, if you guys haven't heard of heard it yet or not, um, basically every day that I hunt, so if I hunt today, I will do a podcast tonight and I'm going to launch it right away. Uh, just talking about that day of hunting, you know, what happened, talk about the weather breakdown, what I'm looking for, uh, encounters, kills, whatever. I mean, talking about my setup, it's just short, simple to the point, 15 minutes or less, uh, just down and dirty raw, you know, it's, there's no music in it. It's just like, let's get right into it kind of thing. It's pretty cool. Um, I do it like more journal format cause I do journal anyway, Every sit of the year and everything significantly that happens to me, I do like to journal that just because I like to keep track and I like to go back and look historically for, you know, years past of like what happened. And I forget, I, I've got so much going on in my head that I just forget all the time. So I just like to keep track of it and pick up on some tendencies. So yeah, I mean, I'll have podcasts going live the night after I, or the night of, the day that I hunt basically. So yeah, check that out. Uh, hopefully you guys enjoy it. If you don't like it, well, then don't listen to it, I guess. But, uh, um, I have had some people reach out for the first two episodes that I've done and, and they really enjoy it. So, and honestly, these Tuesday episodes, I really don't want to sit here and talk about how my hunting has been for the, you know, 10, 15 minute intro. You guys are coming here to listen to Bo probably because you've seen it online or social getting posts and everything. You're not coming here to listen to me talk about what I got going on. So that's another way for me to kind of get that stuff out there. Cause I do know there's people that do want to hear that. So you can choose to listen to it or not. So that's kind of my way to combat it. But yeah, 
So with that being said, partners, real quick, I'm just going to rally through these things. Uh, Latitude Tree Saddles, Latitude Outdoors. Go check them out at latitudeoutdoors.com. Use the code THEFALLPODCAST to save 25% on all accessories, Classic 2 saddle kits, and it does not work for the Method 2. So, But I did talk to Alex. We're going to be doing a Classic 2 saddle giveaway here soon. Kit. Uh, a kit of it all. So you're going to get the whole shebang. We're trying to work out the details right now of that, but we're going to be doing a giveaway right there. So next is Helix Broadheads. Use Fall HX10 to get some Helix Broadheads. Go check them out at helixbroadheads.com. Uh, next, Garmin. So if you guys are looking for a new watch or a bow sight or a crossbow sight, go look them up at Garmin. garmin.com. Uh, I was thinking it was going to be Garmin Hunt Fish, but I was thinking that's their social channel. So Garmin.com, go check them out. They got some awesome watches as well. I actually am wearing the Tactic 7 watch, and I've catered it to my whitetail hunting. Got the wind, barometric pressure, um, therm, or not thermals, what am I talking about? The uh, I've got the forecast on there. I can see like the 10-day forecast and everything. It's pretty pretty crazy what you can actually see on these things. But uh, go check out Garmin. Next is Exodus. If you guys are looking for Exodus renders, go get those trail cams. Check them out at exodusoutdoorgear.com. Vector Custom Arrows. Also, don't forget about these things. This is the business end of what you do. I mean, you need a good arrow in Vector. Vector Arrows are really good arrows. So go build your arrows at vectorcustomshop.com and use fall 10 to save a little bit of money on those vector arrows so with that being said everybody thank you very much for all the downloads and all the listens please go to itunes leave a five-star rating also do a little written review in there that is always greatly appreciated you guys have been killing it on the reviews please keep them coming that is really appreciated so here it is guys hopefully you guys enjoy it here's this interview with Bo. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Fall Podcast. And today I've got a guest on that uh, I don't. It, I've totally dropped the ball on this bow. I I I apologize. I've you and I kind of run in similar circles, and I don't know how we haven't crossed paths or how I haven't reached out to you or anything like that until now. But Mr. Bo Martonic from East Meets West Podcast is on. Bo, thanks for thanks for joining me tonight, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's it's funny because. I've heard I've heard your name and I've seen your stuff. I've listened to your podcast now for quite a while, and then we have, like you said, we have a lot of similar friends uh, that go back and forth, and your name keeps getting brought up. And <laughs> was, and then when you had reached out to me there, and we've messaged back and forth a little bit, and and I was like, yeah, that's I'm I'm excited to to get to to meet you over the phone here and and uh, talk some deer. Heck yeah, man! And and like I said before. Um, before we hit record, I've got like just a litany of questions, but you know, we're in the, the first part of October here and you know, this is, I've been, I don't know, I've got a thing about me. It's like, I get so tunnel vision and this is something I've been talking about the last couple podcasts I've done, but it's something I think is a big problem that it can be a big problem. You know, when you're out of season, you, you think clearly, you think like, through every detail, like you're, you're on top of things. And then for me, when I get into season, it's like, everything's a rush. Everything's go, 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 go. And it's tunnel vision. Do you get that at all? Yeah. I, oh my gosh. Yeah, I do. And the problem, and, and I feel like as soon as the season opens and I try hard to not be this way, but it, it seems to happen every year. I almost get like, 
as much as I enjoy it, I also get this like stress when I have a tag yes. in my pocket, you know, like you, you feel like you're running out of time when you don't, when you still have plenty of time or, you know, like for example, like most of the deer that, that, that I've killed over the years have been during the rut, but yet, you know, end of October, I have a couple, you know, sets that don't turn out well. I start stressing and I'm like, why am I doing that? You know, it's, right. it's one of those things that you have to constantly remind yourself. And I, I, I definitely don't, um, don't act like I have that all figured out for sure. But it, uh, it's, it's something that I try to, I try to talk to myself about a little bit is trying to just, you know, settle down and, and let, let the season roll and also not get, yeah, too tunneled down certain paths, you know, and, and remember that, you know, more than you think you do at that point, even when things aren't working out. Right. You know, and I, I relate it to like sports, you know, cause I was a big sports guy growing up and everything. And you know, when you, when you get into a tense situation or something like that, like you start stressing and you start pressing a little bit, it's like, okay, you're a little tense. Like I, I relate it to that. And it's like, how did I combat that back then? I mean, I did it even in college when I played baseball for a little bit is like you get in situations, you're down 0-2 in the count or whatever, and you start pressing and you might not shorten up and just try to put the ball in play. You know what I mean? It's just like one of those things, it's like how did I combat that then and slow the moment down and just keep the list of details like so clear like it's kind of hazy like almost like a guy that needs glasses and it's just a little blurry you know what i mean like is that yep. am i weird for saying that <laughs> no 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 I, I i totally get you and one of the things that i think has helped me a little bit with this is when i'm and, and it started actually back on an, an elk hunt i did in 2019 i was like okay every morning when you wake up treat it as if this is your only hunt like this is the, you know, your, your only day you focus on that day, you do the things you, you know, you make sure your access is on point. You're, you know, you're hunting it as if it's one day, not looking at it because sometimes if you look at it, say you have a week off to be able to hunt, you look at it like, Oh, I have all this time or, you know, or as you're going down a, um, you know, a, a bad path and you're getting towards the end of it and you, you feel like you have to make rush decisions or, you know, force things when, if you like stick with the plan and, and work your way towards it and just have that mindset of like, okay, just do everything the way that you did on day one, on day 30 and, and just continue down that path and you, and you'll eventually have things work out your way. Yeah. I like that. I like, you know, just kind of treating it as your last at bat, if you will, you know what I mean? Yeah. Cause it literally yeah. could be. It literally could be, you know, and it's just, I don't know, it, it like right now, you know, I glass every night right now and just about every morning because I, I can right now and we're leading up to the season. So, you know, as we're recording this, our, you know, October 1st hasn't happened yet. It's in a couple of days, but you know, I'm glad. And even when I get into season, I'm glassing every morning and every night that I can, if I'm not hunting, I'm, I'm actually glassing more than I'm hunting, to be honest with you. But you know, something I'm really seeing right now and something I want to get into you with you a little bit. And I'm, you know, I hunt big woods on a piece here in Michigan, but then I also hunt a lot of ag ground, um, a lot of wooded fence rows, little, little plots of woods, uh, flatter and a pancake kind of thing. And, you know, something that I see very specifically in ag country is very wind specific deer. So when I'm glassing at night, like Northwest winds, I know right now and, and they're still in that kind of that pattern end of september right now i get it 
but it's even something I do see in the first couple weeks of October is like wind specific deer, Northwest wind. I know that I'm going to see a shooter buck glassing on, you know, ag country piece of ground that I can hunt. I, I know for a fact, I mean, tonight was the same, same thing. I saw a shooter buck. He came out at six 30, um, did his thing, but then it's switching to an East wind in two days. And I know I'm not going to hardly ever see even a doe, a deer out. So, you know, it's just one of those things that like, I try to think of those details when I'm in season as well, you know, but it's just like, <laughs> there's so many things, man. And us as hunters just overthink everything. Um, and just taking a step back and be like, Oh, you're good is, is one of those things I need to learn more. I think. <laughs> yeah, no. And, and w- before I, I comment on that, I wanted to just touch on one more thing on the, the last thing we were talked about. So like last year, so I had never, up until last year, I'd never killed a deer on opening day, but you know, the conditions were really good. We had a 20 degree temperature drop and had a wind that this buck that I was focusing on, I knew he liked to use in the late season prior to that. But in like in the big woods is at least where I'm at, it doesn't, the, the deer aren't on patterns as far as like, um, you know, you know, every three days, this buck's going to come through there or anything like that. It's, it's. A little bit it's a little bit more sporadic but i have noticed that they do like certain winds and certain weather conditions and also times of year so i went off this like historical data but i planned it from the this you know I, even with the idea that i'd never had success on opening day before I, ha- I had to put that in my mind like okay treat it as if you know this is as high of a opportunity type hunt like the rut and you know treat it that way and and you know as i'm hiking in that morning and i had i think it was just over i don't know it was right around two miles a little over into my my tree and i it wasn't that far if i came from a different direction but that's the way i needed to come for access and use the 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 creek bottom and and do all these things keep the thermals right and just like pay attention to those details and it ended up working out for me of shooting that buck that morning but it it just was like a really good reminder to me that you know, even if, you know, having confidence in your spots, one thing and, and, and the right conditions, but, but also like no, no matter what treating it as if you think you're going to have that opportunity. And that's sure. j- just something I wanted to, as, as we were talking about those other things and, and I'm actually having to talk with myself about that now, as I'm like in a little bit of a different position this year, I won't be in Pennsylvania for the opener and i and i've also i've been out west for the last month so i haven't i haven't spent time i I feel way behind let's put it that way and uh i feel really behind and it's like okay no just chill out all right your season's gonna start a little bit later it's gonna be different conditions go off those that that previous stuff that you know already or think you know and and work your way towards that but as as far as like back to your other you know comments when you're talking about like when as far as like getting caught up in the in the season with like specific winds and everything like i i know i have this where like there's a uh a particular spot that's really good for east winds and it's dynamite when it's on east winds and i always have this like when we don't get an east wind for a while because it's not a you know it's not the predominant wind that we're getting and like conditions other conditions are right it makes me so it, i really want to get in there like i <laughs> i want to and it's like this and sometimes i do and it doesn't work out and i'm like you know i i, I could have probably had better opportunity trying something else but you just get like itchy to to get into that spot 
Yeah. Now, to go a little farther on that, you say it's it's dynamite on an east wind. Now, break down what you mean by dynamite on that. Is that just like good deer sightings? Um, you've seen shooter bucks in there at that time. Like, you know, you're going to see a lot of deer. Like, what do you mean by it's it's dynamite? Yeah. So it's it's a, actually it's like a it's a western facing ridge, and there's like it's like a small kind of pinch where there's like a really steep side hill that goes down and there's a creek bottom below and then there's a clear cut on the top so it offers this like 100 i don't know 110 yard maybe at most like funnel in between there and the deer love using that but with that east wind it blows across the top of that open clear cut that they just cut about a year or two ago and then also and then also in the daytime the thermals are rolling up and it just creates that perfect like travel spot for bucks to go through um especially during like late october and into november it's it's just really good at that time of year that where they can you know some of those does will bed in those tops in that that clear cut that the loggers left there and they're able to scent check that and then also scent check down and below where down that creek bottom there's some um uh, golden rods and everything where also some deer will bed so it's like just a really good uh kind of rut type area so that's why that's that's why i say it's dynamite okay so it's it's very rut specific then yeah as well. very that one's very rut specific yeah there's not okay, cause... it's not really close to um, any buck bedding it's not there's not a food source a near there besides a little bit of browse but nothing that that ha- i don't really focus on that any other time of year yeah, that was going to be my next question is like, you know, on more of a specific pattern maybe with deer, and this might be in the early part of October, um, you know, do you see, did you, or would you see a lot of bucks, you know, using that east wind? Are they cutting their nose with the wind or is it coming at their back? Because that's something that I always intrigues me as well. You know what I mean? Is like deer coming, I've got a spot where, you know, deer will come out of their bed and use a transition area where I've got a mock scrape that I set back in the spring, like a pottinger scrape kind of deal. But, you know, I'm in between, you know, bedding. I'm close to bedding. I'm about 80 to 90 yards off the bed. But on an east wind, the deer are coming from the east, going west to the destination food. And, man, I'll tell you what, they'll get out of their bed like tonight it was 6 30 you know i mean there's a lot of daylight still left here comes a group of like eight does and like four bucks nothing shooter wise but um but that back is right at their butt as they're going into the destination food um as they're coming through the camera and i'm like man that just you know but i do have to take things into consideration is like they're not, they haven't been bumped yet you know they're very very you know low pressure deer right now so what's going to happen when some when the hunters get in and, and kind of start walking around and pushing things around do you ever see anything with like that and and you know specific winds if they're deer always cutting their nose or the winds always cutting their nose or how how do you see that trend so i've i've seen a mixture of it and i will say that probably 70 percent seem to have the the wind somewhat in their favors are going but there's another 30 percent that that they're that i think that they're moving more based off of the cover that they have available than than the wind and i've seen that with bedding too i've seen that where they'll bed with the wind not even coming across their back uh but they have better cover on that side of the hill 
Okay. So like that's that's something that that it's very location specific, and also like you know especially with the the winds and the and the Appalachian Mountains and stuff like it, the the predominant wind that you know you see um, you know what the weather's predicting isn't always going to do that. So it it really depends on it's it's a lot of thermal based stuff, and then also just like depending on how the flow of the landscape goes, it might cut. Say there's a a northwest wind, but the but the way that the 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 mountain is, and say there's a little draw there or anything, it might. I'm I'm making movements with my hands that nobody can see, but <laughs> basically, but that that wind will follow some of that train, and it might like cut off to the side and turn to a straight west wind or southwest or you know or northeast, depending on how that's flowing through there. Um, so that's why like a lot a lot of those times, like when I have cameras and I'll like when I have cameras up. I'll either, which I actually learned this from Troy, was putting like a windicator on my scrapes. I don't do that for all of them. I it's more more so because I forget. But if I can hang like a ribbon or something lightweight that's able to you know flow in a different direction that I can see on video mode, and then compare that back to what the weather's supposed to be, and it gives me a little bit of an idea. Or if I'm at that location, I'll drop milkweed, and and then put it in my notes. So put it in the the pin when I'm say I'm marking a pin on Spartan Forge, I'll write it in the notes and I'll, I'll put it in there of, okay, this is what the wind was doing. This is what the wind was calling for. And I'll just like have that in my mind as I'm, as I'm making these plans. And this is where you, when you talked about where you can overanalyze things, this, this can be one of those situations. So oh, you gotta yeah. be careful with it. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I totally that. get that. Yeah. And that's a great idea about the ribbon too, because, but you know, I'm, I'm trying to picture what you have. I mean, you're hunting in mountains just like Troy is basically. And, you know, I'm trying to picture like I can actually look at where I'm hunting. Like I've got some topography change, but I'm talking like, you know, slow, gradual roller, maybe oak flats or something like that. And then majority of it's, you basically could see your dog run away for two days. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> but what I, what I'm picturing with you is like, you really have to probably get boots on the ground and go wind map these things because, you know, me like and trying to compare and contrast here, I can look at windy or one weather underground or something like that and see that it's a northwest wind. I know majority, like majority of the stands or locations I'm going to go into, it's going to be a northwest wind. Like I'm almost positive. There are, you know, a small percentage of times I get in there the thermals might be doing a little something different. I got some swamp stuff that I'm, I hunt on the edge of the swamp and I'll tell you what, the smallest of little puddles will, will make thermals just do dance. I, I just still can't understand it sometimes, but you know, with you, I think a lot of boots on the ground and going in there and really actually wind mapping stuff is probably beneficial. Am I not correct there? Oh yeah. Yeah. You're spot on. Like that's, and even though it does, the wind will do some different things like, okay, so like in this, I, I spend, I spend so much time scouting in the spring. Like that's my main time when I'm out from late February, depending on how the snowpack is all the way through the end of April when even in the turkey season when uh green ups going on. But like, that's when I'm doing most of my wind mapping and you'll have a little bit of differentiation just because the foliage is different. Uh, but at the same time you get a pretty good idea. 
um, okay. rather than having to to go in during the season. You know, if I'm at a spot during the season, I'm always dropping milkweed. But like, I don't want to have to re go through you know all of these different areas during the season and drop milkweed and 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 wind map it at that point. Um, so that's, that's one way that I do it. That gets me like, you know, say 75% of the way there is doing it in the spring and, and getting an idea how things flow. And, and that's why it definitely takes, it's, it's hard to go into an area for the first time and, 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 you know, you can be successful, but it's, you definitely have a lot, you have a lot more, uh, benefits to, to being able to, to hunt a, a specific location multiple years. And like, I, I look at, like, every time I look at an area, I look at it as a three-year plan. And when I go in and that's, and you know, wind mapping is one of the big things and I've learned to be able to do it e-scouting. And I think you can, you can do a lot of it that way, but you can't see, you know, okay, there's a, a mountain laurel patch here. That's pretty thick. That's, that can actually, you know, change the wind direction a little bit there, or you can't see this small draw that's in there that, that, that might pull downward thermals or, or, and, and sometimes depending on the thickness of like some of the conifer trees, like hemlocks or pine and everything, it'll, it'll change the thermals from the standpoint of it'll, there's one area that I hunt that almost all the time, all day, it pulls downward thermals, no matter what the wind direction is. Cause it's, such heavy cover that it keeps it cooler under there and pulls down. But then when you look at that for late season, when it's really cold outside, that actually acts as a thermal blanket and it causes the opposite effect and it'll pull the air upwards. So that, that's something that, that I've learned as well. So it's, it's very location specific on that, but yeah, you definitely, definitely need to spend some time in there and boots on the ground. That's, that's huge. What do you see as far as like this, this is where it would really mind screw me up is like, what, let's say you're going in there to scout like a certain location and it might be like a eight to 10 mile an hour wind, but then you're going to go hunt it back to hunt it. And let's say it's a 16 to 18 mile an hour wind or whatever it, do you see a big difference in the wind speed and how it reacts in the Hills? Oh yeah. Yeah. That wind speed seems to take over just about everything like um you know okay so if you're thinking of like thermals say i don't even know what speed technically thermals would be moving up but very slow right and it's coming up and then you have a wave coming from the other side at you know you know a lot faster it just it hits that and it's just one it causes a lot of swirling high wind speed days are difficult to hunt and and varying terrain um but it also it just overpowers those thermals and, but when I'm like, say if I'm hunting a top, I'll pay way more attention to that predominant wind that's in the weather than it, than I would if, uh, if it was a, a more of a calm day. And I also, I, it, one of the things that, that I spent, I spent a lot of time hunting in the bottoms and, and that's a very unpopular opinion with people that hunt hill country because of swirling winds, but mm-hmm. it's gotta be a super calm day. I can't do that when it's. I can't do that when it's high winds because that really causes just a tornado effect down in there and, and you just never having your winds right. But yeah, winds, yeah. wind speeds, wind speeds really big. And, uh, I, I'm, it's not that I'm not going to go out on high, on high wind days, especially, you know, if it's a, um, you know, 
if it's a, um, I still think it's a, a good chance to get out or I just have the opportunity to get out. It's just going to affect how I'm, how I'm going to set up. Okay. So does that, does, does that, does that change as much for like you and some flatter country? You know, it, it depends on obviously the location and, and where you're at flat country. No, it doesn't really change much, but it does depend on like you talked about the conifers. Like we have some pine trees and, and those thermal cover trees on the edge of some of our ag fields. And I've seen, I've seen thermals come from the ag field and you've got like 12 to 15 row of pines, then it hits some hardwoods. Like if I'm hunting in those hardwoods, like on the transition line, I will see the wind come in on a, on a more of like a, I, I would say like a higher rate of, of speed with the wind. I'm thinking like 12 to 15 when it comes and hits those pines, it will literally pull down so hard in those pines. Like you said, like the, the, the cooler temps down in those pines, like it'll almost act as a wall. And I'm actually, the pines are not that big. I mean, they're, I say they're not that big, but they're, you know, 15, 18 feet tall, but you, I mean, they're not like giant pines, but it will pull and almost make a wall right there. And a lot of times you'll see like the hay or alfalfa out in the field, like swaying a lot. And then when it hits you, it's like nothing. Is that, it's, it's so, it's so weird, but it, and when the first time I realized it, I'm like, this is like, why? And at that point I didn't really know a lot about thermals. I still don't know a lot about thermals. You know, I just, I try to learn every time I know so much. (laughs) And and honestly, there's stuff that like a guy like Dan Infall or yourself or Jake Bush or anybody will say, and I'll try to mimic that scenario and go in there and it might do something vastly different. And I don't be like, and I don't tell myself like, oh, they're wrong. It's just, there's so many variables. There's so many variables in that stuff, you know? Um, but that was just one thing that I've, I've seen with like a higher wind, um, you know, up to that 12 to 15 mile an hour or higher that it'll do for some reason, it just sucks it down in like a vacuum. I, I don't know if anybody else has seen that, but that's something that I do witness there. Um, and in an Oak Ridge, honestly, man, everything flows pretty true on the farms that I hunt. Um, you know, and it's getting a little more, di- I shouldn't say difficult, but different because our property, my main farm, um, it got logged like, I don't know, 50, I wouldn't say 50%, 40% of it got clear cut. Uh, this right start of COVID. So now it's all like regrowth popple and the deer are using the property way different. So it's almost like we're starting over. I'm starting over trying to figure it out. So, and I will say like, when you look at an aerial of our farm now, it's like, oh, where'd all the timber go that was in the middle of the farm? <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, it's created a ton more edge, but it's created some difficulties as well, as far as just trying to figure out where the deer are at and what they're doing. Yeah. So. Yep. No, no, that, that makes sense. And when you're talking about with the, the conifers, so one thing I have noticed with that, with the high wind speed is, is what you're talking about with it, you know, cutting down, but that there's also some, well, sometimes it'll like almost like create like this where it undertow effect and it comes back. But if it, if it's coming from that direction and heading towards it, sometimes it will go down and it'll like swirl even just a little bit down below. And yes. on those areas, 
and those areas like there's there's two ways that, that I've found to get around either right before it like does that swirl thing like you know almost like just up just up above it like right you know on the edge of the the pines where it would go down over the hill again I, I apologize if people are struggling to picture this but like say you have like a hilltop that's that's uh say oaks or cherry or some sort of big just big timber stuff and then as soon as it cuts down off the side of the ridge you have like the the hemlock or some sort of conifer you know right on that edge can be good but then you just get down over and it can cause that swirling effect but then also another good spot in those high wind days is down towards that lower third because by that point you know that that wind's coming across the top of the mountain that has the 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 side of the hill there to kind of block it and you're not all the way in the bottom where it's you know rushing down and causing swirling but you're in like a sweet spot mm-hmm. and that's that's also an area that i've found to be to to be good to be able to hunt on those high wind days yeah and that is kind of the scenario other minus the conifers that's kind of the scenario i had with my ohio buck last year in the hills was i was on that like lower third um and i was on a micro bench where i mean you can't even really see it on a map it's you kind of got to wander over there like i was trying to do a, a, a map breakdown of it after i killed the deer to, to for youtube and i'm like I'm looking at the map and I'm like, God, I know I was right there, but I'm like, it doesn't really show it on the, like the topo lines doesn't, don't really show it. And I'm like, maybe I'm off a little bit. I'm like, no, I'm right there. And you know, it just made sense. Like, and I asked a couple guys like, you know, cause I, I don't hunt a ton of like big hill country, like Ohio PA, stuff like that. Like I'm relatively pretty new to like the big hill country and I asked guys that were more in tune with it than I was. And they're like, yeah, those micros, like a lot of times, those are the ones won't show up on maps. And those are the ones that you want to be on. You know, those are the ones that, but you kind of got to treat them a little differently because in my scenario, it it was out of an, it was a Northwest wind. and, And I was sitting on the Southeast side of this bench, this little micro bench or, you know, and the wind was coming across this bench and it was hitting me and it would hit me and it would turn and it would go back down straight north or um i'm sorry southwest so it was coming out of the northwest hitting me and then turning and going down northwest or uh, southwest i'm sorry so hopefully you guys can picture that but the thermals were doing wicked things dude and this deer comes to 11 yards and when he when i finally got an arrow in him like i think he was picking me up of like, you know, I find it was one of those prototypical scenarios of like, Hey, you know, you want to be able to have a, an arrow in that deer when he hits your wind stream. Like it was right there, you know? Yeah. I don't know. No, that's, that's, that's really interesting. And, and again, that's why like wind and thermals are like always going to be as much as you think, you know, it's always going to be a mystery and it's very location specific. And that's, you, you know, it's just like, log that information whether it's in your head or writing it down or in an app or whatever and then and and try to see if that's you know if you can uh duplicate that or replicate that in a different a different location and that's something that you learn but for for me it's like it's it's a lot of just like kind of figuring it out on the go and making the best you know best guess assumptions based off of what you're seeing and 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 at some points too like in in where i'm hunting it's still it's you're sometimes i just have swirling winds and i don't have no idea why and to me i it happens often and i don't 
it's not like I necessarily know where the deer are coming from unless you're on like a spot like I was talking about that pinch earlier mm-hmm. where they're typically running north to south because they just the way that the land lays out. But a lot of times they can come from many different directions. So I don't get out of the tree if, if it, I'm having swirling winds and, and change because I don't know exactly where they're going to come from. Right. Um, you know, and that's it, 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 it. I guess when the only time that that would change a little bit is if you are hunting early October, like we're kind of in right now or where you know that, say, they're coming back to bed from a destination food source or you think you know where the destination food source is uh, in the evening and, the, and they're heading that direction and you think that, okay, maybe they're betting on this point or in this thicket on the side hill or this bench or whatever and you have these, you know, best guesses, then instead of a, a 360 window they can come from that you have it narrowed down to 180 degrees or 130 degrees or whatever that is and that that can kind of help a little bit with it oh yeah dude i'm the i'm a culprit of like if i get swirling winds and i'm i'm hunting a certain spot like you know like you said where the deer i don't think the deer are going to be coming from all over i think they're going to be coming right here and if i get a swirling wind i'm out it it doesn't matter if i sat there for three hours and it starts swirling last light like prime time i will leave um it's just one of those things i don't know why like other than in my head, I'm just so ingrained of like, hey, man, I'm busting my ass this whole year to try to get one opportunity. And if I screw that up, like it, it could be that could be the season right there. Like that's the mentality I have. I don't know. Are you the same way? Um, It's it's different. I mean, it, it depends on the time of year, honestly, for for me, like I I rarely I rarely am in a spot where I'm like unless I'm hunting like a bed or anything, if that's the case, then then that's. I, I would definitely do that. But for a lot of times I'll ride it out because I'm, I'm not hundred percent sure. And also that they're not on a, a sort of a pattern where like, I'm sure that they're betting in this location or they're going to this location or coming from this location. And, you know, like for example, when say if, uh, say if I'm like hunting a specific deer and many times I won't like, I don't have a specific bed that I know that he's using. Sometimes I'll have a good idea that he might be using it, you know, 10% of the time. And that's good. Um, or, but they, they'll have an area, you know, like say it's just a clear cut that could be 30 some acres that he's, he beds in different spots depending on what that wind's doing. Um, but, but also will move throughout the day and go to a different location. So that, that makes it a little bit difficult uh to to do that but at the and and the deer density is also super low we're Mm -hmm. not it's it's getting better but it's pretty low so my odds of a swirling wind spooking a deer unless they're coming through right at that time is much lower than an area that has a higher density of deer yeah um so that's that's also like a i guess a, a caveat to throw in there is just that you know the scenarios that you and i are hunting in are a little bit different um, for sure. For the most part. So that, yeah. that, that has a, a, a little bit of a different play with it. Like if I was hunting an area and I knew a, a deer was bedding in this, this location and I was having those swirling winds, I'd get out like that. That would be, that would be, you know, at prime time, like you were discussing hundred percent would do that. It's just, that's not always the case. And it's actually the majority of the time, not the case for me with knowing that uh, a deer is using that specific spot unless I have them dialed. Yeah. And I should have probably prefaced with that with as well. Like if it's the rut, I'm going to ride it out. Like it's 
Because you know, I mean, once once Halloween yeah. or November first hits, it's like a new season. You know what I mean? So, but that early part of October, if I'm and I'm I'm hunting high deer density areas, like I really am. I mean, if I go in a sit and and don't see six to eight deer, then that's kind of kind of a bad night, to be honest with you. Um, but it's you know, if it's just one of those early October deals where it's like, hey man, I'm hunting this pinch or I'm hunting this this you know, scrape right here, you know, earlier, kind of that second part of October as well. Cause I like getting into scrapes, you know, that second, third week of October, I really think those can be deadly, um, for sure. And, and if I'm hunting that area, like I want to make sure that I'm, 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 you know, cross my T's and dot my I's. Oh my gosh. So that it's, I'm glad you said that about the, you got me excited when you're talking about middle of October scrapes, because I've never up until this point, I've, I've rarely had a chance to hunt that time of year. Um, just due to my, what my work schedule has always been. And, and, but I've always seen like from the 13th to like the 18th of October, some of my biggest deer move in daylight when you get a cold front that, that, you know, meshes with that essentially. And I love, I love hunting the, the scrapes that time of year and, and moving on it. But it is a little bit different as far as I'm a little bit more cautious with it because they're not, they're not full dumb zombie rut mode, you know, at that point. Yeah. <laughs> so no, I agree. It, yeah. It, it definitely, it definitely changes, changes things up um, a little bit there. Well, and, and what pisses me off is like the, you know, for the last like three or four years, that same basically time frame, you know, 13th through the 18th or 19th, 20th, somewhere in there, it's like I'll get a I'll get a shooter buck roll through at 1:30 in the afternoon and, and like check a scrape and it's like what the hell are you doing? Like you know, it's just like a head scratcher like like is that deer just not killable? Like I'm not going to be sitting <laughs> midday unless you know, unless you got a pretty good bead on him, but it's like that'll happen and then it's like you never see him again or something, or it might be, he might show back up in the rut and it's like, what the hell? Like, and I don't know if it, that deer is just kind of like out wandering. Like maybe he's just, you know, starting to feel a little better than the other bucks at this point, And he's just trying to get a jump start. I have no clue, man, but I'll get that. I'll get just about every year. I'll get one that shows up and cell cam comes through and it's like, you're not supposed to be there right now. You know what I mean? <laughs> yep. Yep. No, I, 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 I totally agree. But I, I think that's a very overlooked time of year. Like, and, and it, I just, it, for me, it's very weather front focused. So sure. like it's, it, um, the, in the, in the big woods. And again, this is just more my experience is mostly at like it, it's a, it's a tough time of year to hunt unless you have that weather front that, that pulls in because, Covers changing, leaves are falling, so their bedding's shifting and kind of, you know, consolidating the smaller areas because they can't just bed everywhere, which eventually is going to help. But at that point, it's it can be frustrating of figuring out where they're moving at that time, and then you know, food sources at that point. A lot of unless you have a really bumper acorn crop, they're drying up a little bit. Um, we have a lot of, uh, black cherries. They're usually gone by the end of the first week, of October. Um, so a lot of things change at that point, but w- one, one thing's for sure is like a cold front and some of those big scrapes, it, it can be just like mostly the ones that are on the edge of, um, 
just on the edge of cover like mm-hmm. is it those are the ones that that i focus on that time of year as far as when i say focus on i haven't specifically hunted them because i haven't been out but my cameras have lit up in 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 those times which leads me to to want to try that out this year for sure man talking about fronts i this is one question i had here october front what i mean i know the the standard it's like oh everybody wants to hunt a cold front i get that part but like talk to me about what are some of your favorite fronts to to uh hunt in october whether it be rain you know precipitation cold front even a warm front i mean what do what do you like to get into so i like i like the first snow um which in pennsylvania we typically get a snow in that time frame of it usually it's like october usually it seems like it's the 17th 18th to like the 23rd somewhere in that range um i love hunting that for snow this usually it's right when the snow is done um and it's it's not like it's gonna blanket and you're gonna have inches but you know just that light type almost it's almost like acts the same as rain and i treat rain similar so i like after those those weather fronts um with the with the the rain and because i i hunt scrapes primarily and that seems to be when they come by and try to freshen them back up and i just actually just did a, a podcast episode that hadn't come out yet um with the guy all about weather and he he likes the beginning of front um which i've seen movement you know like the the day before or hours before um some of those fronts coming in being good but i really like the post fronts the during um, that first snow seems to almost like scare them a little bit. I don't know if it, I don't know if that's the, if they're actually scared of it, but it just seems like there's not as much while it's happening, but as soon as it's done, it's like, it's on. I, I don't, I don't love warm fronts. I, even after days of cold weather, I don't like, um, I, I just haven't had luck with warm fronts coming after, but, uh, temperatures dropping, um, is probably, you know, temperature dropping snow and, and rain like that is, are the biggest ones for me. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com waypoint. That's mintmobile.com waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com waypoint. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Eating better is easy with Factors' delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, which is the one I like, and Keto. Get started today and get after your goals. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Sign up and save 
We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 and use the code waypointpod50 to get 50% off. That's waypointpod50 at factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 to get 50% off. I got gotcha. you. What, what do you? What's your thought on it? Like, what do you enjoy? What do you like? Or what's like? Okay, I need to be in the woods if this happens. Yep. So mine, mine is first and foremost is a rain. I want a rain, and you know, usually with rain comes a little cooler temp. So that's kind of married with it. But like, I agree with the guy that you, you know, you uh, interviewed. There is like the front end of the cold front, like the day before. I start seeing a lot, of, like, let's say, I say cold front, a rain front. Um, let's say it's going to rain on Friday. Like on Thursday, that Thursday evening, if the rain's going to start, like, you know, in the evening through the Friday morning, that Thursday night, I will see good good deer activity. Um, and then the rain, like, let's say the rain's going to last most of the day on Friday. I'll get in with the rain I'd like to get in with it while it's still raining and set it out. Dude, I've killed more bucks after a rain. Like last year, two out of my three bucks were, were ju- you know, just after a rain. And I had like five encounters with shooter bucks last year with rain. Um, hmm. It just, it's, it's crazy. And now the post cold or post front, I, I see majority of the time this isn't every time but majority of the time i see a hard fall off for some reason for like 24 hours and it's it's very uh situational dependent as well i mean it could fall off like the weather you know the cold could fall off from for 20 degrees and then it's going to sustain that like let's say it goes from 60 degrees down to low 40s or 30s like and it stays that way i'm going to see more consistent movement but if it kind of like starts petering back up in the temperature and everything um then it kind of falls off pretty hard and then yep. to like to marry like i really like a warm front in late season um i've been on some good bucks like in december and january where it could be stupid cold i'm talking 10 degrees 20 degrees you know below 30 degrees for a good sustained period let's say it's a week you know, five to seven to 10 days. And I've had it where it would jump from 25 degrees to like 50 and the deer move like crazy. Like that day, like the day that it happens, the day of the front, it they'll move like ridiculously crazy. Um, uh, what are, what are they doing during that? Are they like, are you seeing them like feeding at that point or are you feeding them travel? Like, okay. Feeding. Interesting. Yeah. I, I haven't yeah. hunted much late season enough to, to uh to really weigh in on that to be honest that's that's really interesting yeah i really like that day of like now now the day after let's say it 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 bumps up that day gets real warm it's kind of like i remember this instance i was in missouri and it was 2016 and it was january 14th and the week of that that week it was colder than shit dude like i had every layer on i was like there's no way i'm gonna be able to pull my bow back but I'm here. I want, you know, I want to hunt. We had, we had snow, but it was just a sustained cold, brisk, just cold, you know, week. And this is when it really hit me. Like it, 
in in a day like overnight into the morning it started getting warmer and warmer and it got up to like 50 some degrees and i even told myself i'm like they're not gonna move like why would they move and i'm you know kind of pissing in my cheerios kind of thing like going to the stand and it was like well we're here let's just try it and then a good pope and young comes out and i'm like wow but i saw a lot of deer that night like I'm talking 20, 25 deer that night. We were sitting on destination food. We were sitting on a green source and deer were falling through. But it was almost like, dude, it had this feeling like they were just hunkered down for so long that it was like, oh my God, I'm glad I can actually get up and stretch out now. Like we need to move. Like it was almost something like we got to move. We haven't ate. We need to move. Like my bones don't hurt now. I'm not cold. It was just, it was, it was an eerie feeling, but I don't know, man, it worked. And then I've had a couple other instances where I didn't kill, but still good deer sightings and good encounters of like, I'm like, man, this is, this is a thing I think, but only in late season. I haven't seen like a warm front in October, November, I mean, November, it's an anomaly. Like it just, whatever happens. So, but October, like I haven't seen that. Well, you know, here, something that I've noticed, like with the changes on like how I look at fronts throughout the year if the, it doesn't matter for me, like when in early October, when we have like extreme temperature drops, those deer are moving that day. Like it's, it's good. It's typically mm-hmm. good. Um, and even a little bit before. And as you move later into October, it seems like they move just after it. And then as you're in November, like, I mean, obviously the rut throws that off a little bit and you'll have some anomalies, but I've also noticed like when, so we'll get like a, a first snow in, in that middle to late October, and then we'll get like a second snow. It seems to always be around November 1st to 4th. And if we have one, then if it's like a lot of snow coming down, I've always taken off work that day to be able to hunt no matter what time day in the week it is. I take off work, take a vacation day. And that's when I would hunt. And I had realized that that they were moving more the next day than they were that day that it came in. I don't know if they were like, yeah. And that, that's something that, that I've picked up on and it's, and, and I was kind of like shocked by it and it it happened over and over and over again. And I, I just couldn't, couldn't figure it out why that was the case, but that was something I've had in my notes and, and I definitely pay attention to like, if I have the opportunity to be out when that, that cold front is right at the peak and it's snowing and everything I'm going to, uh, not saying it's bad, but it seems to be better the next day. So you're saying as the season goes on in October and November, the, the, after the day after the front, the movement gets better for you. Yes. Correct. Yep. Really? I, I'm, that's, it's the way I'm thinking is I'm like, why, what are the triggers here? Is it because they're starting to think with other body parts then, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like what is it? Does that, does that cold air or does that cold front as it kind of prolongs, does that trigger more does into estrus? Like, I don't know. Like, is that, you know, I, I like, that's something I want to know now that you bring that up. <laughs> yeah. And I'll, I'll be, <laughs> you know? I'll be, I'll be interested that like this year I'll have some more time to, to spend on, you know, the, the I guess shittier days the pre-front the front and after the front and then really be able to because I'll actually be you know in the woods at all those times and be able to see and not just 
you know, you know, a lot of it's from, you know, seeing it and then a lot of it's from trail camera data, but I'm, I'm excited to kind of see that wave because like, that was just like different species. But like just a few weeks ago when I was elk hunting, I noticed that this elk herd, we only got two rain, two rainstorms over 21 days. And right before that rain would hit, it didn't matter what time of the day, those elk would leave their bedding and go miles down off the mountain into these uh, pastures and feed and rut. And really? yeah, it was like the one day it was one o'clock in the afternoon and they acted like it was seven o'clock at night, the way that they, they went on their, their thing. And, and again, I know elk are different than deer, but it was just interesting on how they use those, those fronts and, and, and did, and they did that. And I, that was just something that I noted, um, with it. And, and yeah, so I'm, I'm interested to, to see a little bit more with the deer, but that's, that's just something that, that I've definitely noticed, uh, with deer moving as it goes different throughout the the season. Now I said late season, I don't have as much, I don't have as much personal data to really be able to weigh in on that. Yeah. Um, well, your late as, season, like, warm front, your late season's probably a lot colder than my late season <laughs> well, <laughs> and it, a lot no, more snow. It's pro- yeah, it's probably more snow, but it's, it's, it sounds similar, um, as far as temperatures go. Uh, I mean, once you get into January, you can get down in the negatives, but for the most part, it's around that, you know, 10 to 20 degree type, uh, yeah. mark there. And I just, our, the way our seasons go, like our archery season only goes in through and they just extended it now to like November 18th or 20th. It used to stop around veterans day and now it goes to then and then we have a break and then we have a gun season for two weeks from the you know right after thanksgiving for two weeks and then there's another break and then you can't hunt again until after christmas um with late season archery so like it it, it's broken up so there's periods of times that i haven't yet had the opportunity to be able to hunt and gotcha i've had cameras out during that time but not not physically hunting you know and you're hunting a lot of public right yeah. Yeah. The majority public. Okay. So tell me this, like when you get out there and I don't know if PA is anything like Michigan with the orange army and everything, when gun season comes <laughs> in, but like, what, what do you see as far as like <laughs> all that? Now I know the rut is, is just a beast of its own. Like it literally anything could happen. I get that. But what are some tactics that you've seen that work more often than not? you know, once every Tom, Dick and Harry gets in the timber and they're pushing deer everywhere, like what are some things that really have worked for you in that time frame So you're not beating your head against the wall. So first thing is throw everything that, you know, out the window. <laughs> I knew this was coming. <laughs> no, but the, so that's, that would have been my response a few years ago. Um, yeah. but what I've, I had spent some time with the gun in my hand in 2020 that didn't fill my tag until gun season. So I spent some time there. And then also I've risked leaving my trail cameras up all through gun season just so I could learn more and, you know, at the risk of being stolen. But I've learned that there's pockets that those deer will hold up in. And it's usually like these nasty, like side hill thickets and, and old clear cuts and stuff that, that people aren't necessarily in or even just walking by sometimes they're close to where people are but they just like hunker down and i've found that if you can find some of those honey holes um that you can you can still do well but it's not it's not your normal like 
finding a travel pattern or anything. It's more so getting into almost like bow hunting type country thick stuff and and sitting there and as they get up and move throughout the day like there was this there's a uh, i was i've been running this camera study in this area for three years and i haven't hunted it yet and i i'm like if i have a a a tag by the time gun season comes around i know right where to go because all of the bucks and even varying age classes are living in this this cut on this side hill and when i say a cut it's like a 40 year old clear cut so it's old it's grown up it's just steep and the top is like a plateau so that's where all the hunters are and it's just like this little overlooked spot and i have pictures of mature deer moving in daylight at all times of the day during gun season one of my videos one of my videos on on my exodus camera you can hear gunshots in the background oh my gosh yeah and it's it's that's crazy (laughs) yeah and like and then when i when i killed which actually was my biggest deer in 2020 i was with my my buddy johnny stewart and it was one of his spots and and it was off this this point of the ridge and the same thing the hunters were all on the tops and this this point that ran off down to the the creek bottom there was like it was just kind of steep and had some good cover on it and that deer laid up in in that that spot and i i don't think he really got pressure even though that there there's a ton of pressure in the area he just found a safe spot like you know even with pennsylvania michigan like having these crazy numbers of hunters during that time of year i think they can still find their their home spaces it's just it it differs from any other time of the year and it's you know when i'm looking at when i'm looking at maps or trying to like try to predict those areas it it is it is a little bit difficult but um a lot of like the simple rules of thumbs come into play uh with usually if you can get far away from roads you don't have to deal with like large amounts of people doing deer drives um, a lot of times they like to hit the quick and easy spots, uh, that they're doing that. So that, that helps, um, some steep and, and thick country will do it. And then also some overlooked spots that, that are, are along roads or walkways that just might be a small, you know, even, I don't know, like 60, 70 yard wide kind of thick blackberry brush that they can watch those trails and people go by them to hit to like a destination to be able to hunt and I've found gotcha. deer laid up in those types of locations too. That's crazy, man. That's that, yeah. you know, that public game, like this year is the first year I'm ever going to set foot on public with a weapon in my hand. Like I've never, you know, I, I've been fortunate enough to grow up with private land and, you know, it just kind of goes with like the, like the tradition of, of Michigan and deer camp. Like we've got like a nice cabin on it and everything that we built back in 2002, I think it was, but um, my dad has hunted this property since the seventies and, um, I call it my family farm, but it's 220 acres. It's basically like hunting public land. There's 11 of us that hunt it. And, um, but I mean, bow season, there's not really 11 guys gun season there is, but for gun season for us, it's like, you know, we've got our set spots and you know, it's more of the nostalgia now. Like, honestly, I really don't gun hunt much anymore just because, man, I'm not going to lie to you. It just doesn't like to go out in the morning and hear that first shot. And, you know, maybe the 30 pointer might come by like that nostalgia to me is kind of worn off. 
in a way, it's more of like the camp camaraderie the night before camp, playing euchre around the table, drinking a couple beers, you know, telling stories, bullshitting, you know, seeing, I mean, our deer camp, there'll be 40 guys come up to our deer camp before opening day, you know, to play cards or, you know, show off their rack from bow season or something like that. Like that's what I really enjoy. You know what I mean? Um, so that's just kind of my gun season in a nutshell. I guess. Well, no, I think that's, I think that's awesome. And, that, and that's the way I've looked at gun season. Like we have a, a very strong camp tradition too. And, and everybody comes to our camp the, the weekend before and now gun season opens on Saturday. So it's a little different. It's just kind of one night before, but like everyone comes through, I'd, I'd rather have my tag filled and be able to enjoy camp at that yes. point. <laughs> um, that's, <laughs> that's kind of my outlook on it. But what I've also found too is like I've just had to change my my strategy and a lot of like so what I do is like the first couple of days of gun season I don't move like I find a spot and I sit there because I don't want to bump deer to anybody else. But then after that it, it does slow down a little bit with people and then I'll just find these spots and I'll create like a route on the map and I'll just go and like peek over ridges and just kind of still hunt and sneak. And that's fun in its own. Like it's, it's just different. I've, I've found that I've enjoyed starting to do that or going to areas that I just want to scout, you know, like I want to scout and hunt at the same time. And, you know, then, then I don't feel as bad if I kick, kick one of the deer I'm hunting up to uh, somebody else. And, and, but you know, opening day, it's like, it's hundred percent when I'm, when I'm sitting there and I'm hearing boom, 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 I'm like, there's every single deer I've ever hunted, wanted to hunt. Every one of my every deer camera on camera you had, every, every single deer is dead. That's, that's exactly what I think. And then I'm like, and, and, and not nothing against anybody else that's, that's out there. But some of the times I, I see some of these deer, these people are killing. I'm like, I'm just overthinking it. Like what the heck? Like, I know, you know man. I, and talk to him be like, Oh, I just, you know, found this tree and just sat there. And no, oh, he just came walking in. I'm like, man, I said, me and my dad joke about it. We're like, yeah, just throw everything out the window and, uh, just find, uh, a spot in the middle of all these people and just sit your ass down and wait and wait for them to get up to go to lunch and kick everything up. <laughs> it's so true, dude. You know how many times I get pissed off because I'm like, on how much time and effort I put in each year, you know, not just during season, but you know, it's, it's a, it's a year round game. Like, and then, you know, I'll just say my dad, cause my dad, he's, he's killed some really good Michigan deer, but he'll go out opening day. He'll just wander out, you know, with his coffee mug and get in the blind and, you know, and he just, he'll shoot a good buck on opening day. And I'm like, what the hell? And I'm like, you know, it just (laughs) pisses you off. Like, whatever happened to those you know good things will come to those who you know wait yes but actually work their ass <laughs> off like yeah oh, oh my man. gosh yeah and, and and you you made a good comment too and and i've mentioned this before on, on my podcast is like uh the whole like idea that you know public land is always more pressured than private land and i don't agree with that at all um i think in some situations yes but for the majority of of people it's 
sometimes it's worse. Like some of the areas that I have access to are large chunks of private land. That's not, they're not farms per se, but they're, they allow ATVs. They allow, you know, other, and it's, I don't even hunt them because it's more, there's more people on it than I find in some of the public areas. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and then during bow season, I don't run into very many people. Like I very rarely do I run into people while I'm hunting. Um, there, there'll be some years like during the COVID year, 2020 was like crazy. I did run into a lot of people that year, but other than that, like I don't run into too many people during bow season on public ground. And, and, and I don't know. It's just, I, I think there's like a, sometimes there's a, a wrong, uh, thought process of people. Oh, you know, you hunt private that must be easy you know that that sort of deal i don't agree with that at all and and as someone that's hunted both and and seen what that was like and even when there was a point when i was in ohio when i hunted in ohio and i leased a small 50 acre piece and that was harder to hunt than like than than being able to have open woods i felt like i was just like capsulated by it and then everyone's baiting on the other properties and i go in there you know <laughs> once every couple months when i drive out there and i'm like i that, yeah i just gotta wait for the rut and one to go from one of the better pieces to, <laughs> through mine <laughs> you know yeah. um and yep. that's when i was just like i like i like having access to uh a lot of land to to be able to roam on because i feel like you can always follow them at that point for sure i don't disagree at all with that um, next, I really, I want to get into a couple questions here. I know we're around an hour, but I, I got a couple more if you're good with still going a little bit here. Yeah. Yeah. I'm good, man. Cool. Let's talk about hunting. I want to reel it back into October. Let's, let's focus on that October time frame again and, uh, talk about the, the, <laughs> I feel like this is a question that gets beat to tar right now, but, uh, hunting October mornings, are you into it or are you out of it? <laughs> I'm, I'm all in on it. Yep. Um, yeah, I'm all in on it. Uh, that's, it's just, it's different where I'm at. Like it, I, I just, I, I keep saying that, but it is like, it's, there's rarely like a destination food source. Like I don't have any ag fields around where I'm at at all. Like not even on the borders of the, the public, um, it's just unbroken timber. So you can still have, like, you're not necessarily worried about them coming back to, to bed, um, ahead of time, which can happen, but the, the risk of, of spooking them that way is, is not as high. I'll put it that way. And okay. also, you know, those cold mornings I feel like are just, are good. Like you find a scrape close to the, where the, where you think a buck is bedding or some cover where bucks are bedding. That's that's right on. I mean, I, I killed my buck last year, October 3rd, I think it was opening day in the morning. Um, and you know, that day it got up in the seventies, but that morning it was in the forties, which was super cold for that, you know, that time of year and what it was, you know, before that. And it was, and, and that deer was an hour and a half after daylight came through. So wow. I, I, I'm a, I'm a big morning guy. What's okay. your thoughts? Yep. You know, mine's again very situational and probably like yours as well. Like, but here in Michigan, the farms that I hunt here in Michigan, uh, I've got a lot of ag on both, like that I'm around. So, um, actually, my family farm, the one I was talking to about, like our main entry to the farm is through our hayfield. 
So it's like absolutely terrible for, I mean, you, you swing your headlights in there in the morning and it's like, you'll yeah. see a hundred eyes and it's like, okay, you know, now we can stay at the cabin. You know, I, I will do that. But if it's a cold front in October, anytime I'm hunting in the morning, like I will get in, I'll, I'll try to figure out a way I'll do whatever I have to, if I got to walk in a different way or stay at the cabin, um, I will do that in, in, if I'm out of state or on a trip somewhere, um, definitely going to be hunting mornings just to, and it might be an observation. Like it might even be glassing, you know, I glass a lot. Like I still kind of consider that I'm getting up early trying to, you know, see deer coming off the fields. I love doing that. Um, but like in a big wood setting, like, like you have, like, yeah, I mean, when there's not any particular food source where, you know, you're they're coming from or going back to bed, like I'm definitely going to be hunting mornings as well. But when it gets a little colder and those cold fronts are deadly, like October 10th of 2018, I walked through a standing bean field to a field edge stand, uh, in an inside corner. And I, it was a cold front. It was the, it was the morning of the cold. I mean, the cold front hit the night before and it was coming into that next morning. I walked out there and about an hour and a half after daylight, I had a four-year-old walk to 32 yards and I shot him and I hit him bad. Didn't end up getting him and he, he lived. Um, but still it was just one of those things. It was like, huh, no, you can do it. You, you can, you can walk through an ag field and, <laughs> you know, and make it happen maybe, but it was a yeah. cold front. And I, so I don't know, but so I, I am pro per situation. I am pro hunting October mornings though. Yeah. And, and, and there, the other thing is like when you're talking about the front. So like one of the things that I've done a lot in like in early to mid October, if it's not a cold morning, I'd rather go check cameras and sure. scout then then sit in a tree on a low low odd sit like um, many of the areas i have don't even have mass crops other than um black cherries like i said sometimes they're gone at the end of september first week of october so they're gone and and so there's not and there's not oak trees in some of those locations so when i'm in that like hunting those are very low you, you know you could there's there's some clear cuts and things that offer a lot of food, but they also bed in the same locations. And at that point, I'm like, I'd rather go um, get intel than than sit in a tree. Mm-hmm. And 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 my family's big on that. Like a lot of my family doesn't, they don't hunt unless it's a cold front and and in early October at all. And they just they're they're preparing for as things get better. Um, yep, I totally that. get it's, that. It's, it's it's very very difficult to hunt uh, around here in the early season. Like I said, I've, I, I've just not focused on it much or, or put the time into it because it's been, it is, it is very difficult unless you have something like a, you know, white oak dropping or, or something. But like a lot of the the areas that I'm in, they just don't have those. So, um, and that's, and then like other food sources early in the season, like apple trees and can't really hunt apple trees in the mornings because they're, potentially in the apple trees sure <laughs> so yep. uh that, that that's uh so that that's more of like an evening type spot so like i i still say i'd hunt more evenings in the early season but i, I definitely don't write off october mornings and 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 try to uh and try to do it when the conditions are right yep no i i couldn't agree more man um next one i got for you is 
hunting the same spot or moving more often? Like what, what are you into in, in the specific like October timeframes? Hunting the same spot. So I, this, uh, I'll give you a reasons for this. So I, in earlier on, I'd say like 10 years ago or so in my, in my hunting career, I was, I was successful sitting in the same spot more so than moving. And then I kind of got into the trend of like, Oh, you know, mobile hunting. And that like, and, and the thing is like, there's a difference between mobile hunting and moving all the time. There's, there's, there's a difference there, but, and I was like, Oh, you know, I'd, I'd watch some of these guys that were in different areas of the country than me talk about, uh, you know, not sitting in the same tree twice, but, and, and like just bouncing around hot sign, hot sign. Well, when you, when you're in an area that's big woods and there's low deer density, those deer, yeah, might be hot sign, but that deer might not come through there, but once every three, four, five, six, seven days for sure. And you can hunt that same spot over and over again without blowing everything out as long as you pay attention to access because there's not that many deer. So like you're not you're not constantly um you know blowing up the area by any means and I I think that's where access is important but I've found that if I if I can sit in the same spot and trust uh trust the sign and trust what I'm hunting uh it's not picking a random spot and going hunt it for day on you know day in day out but if the the sign is there or if I have past history with it uh, you know, I'll spend three, four days in the same, same location. And that, that even, that goes to almost double during the rut. Um, at that okay. time frame, I'll sit longer, um, in the, the same location, sometimes up to six days in the, in the same location, which is super difficult when you, when you scout like as much as I do or anybody else has listened to this, that's really into it. And you have all these other locations that you think are going to be better it's really hard mental game to stay in the same location, but you, you I mean you, every time I look at my cameras and go through my intel from the the years past, like it shows me that if I just sit there, it's gonna happen, mm-hmm. and and that's that's something that uh, for me personally, I I've found that I'd rather sit in a spot than move. If yeah, the signs no. there, <laughs> yeah, and I couldn't agree more. Like I I. <laughs> I'm with you on it and I, I'm going to explain why, because I grew up in a bait state, like Michigan, it was always a bait state. It's how I learned how to hunt. Like my dad and I would, he'd go set up a tree stand for him. We'd bait it and I'd have a tree stand for me and we'd bait it. And those were our stands. And then every once in a while to see different trees, he'd be like, Hey, why don't you go sit my stand? I'll sit your stand kind of thing. Like that's literally how I grew up through high school. Like it wasn't to when I got in college that I really was like, you know, I just start getting more stands out in like different locations and trying different things. And, you know, and, and I haven't really, I mean, the last five years I've, I would say I'd, I'd be quote unquote, like more of a mobile hunter. And now I'm strictly like 100, like last year and this year, I'm strictly 100% like, you know, put the stand up, take it down, move, you know, stuff like that. But like, I love hunting an area over and over. Like you said, if you have that good access and good, good exit. Um, because I've got a scenario right now and there's a buck coming through a particular area, like in September, obviously the, the, the 
patterns are, you know, bed to food, but I've got him hitting a scrape like, you know, four or five days in a row. And then he'll go cold for four or five days. But when I go back and look, he's hitting on a specific wind and Mm, he won't, he won't on another wind and he's really taking it over, but he's, he's showing a really big chink in his armor right now. And so he hasn't shown up in the last like six days and I'm like, okay, so I'm waiting for that wind. Well, I'm not going to get that wind for a little while, but I have an opportunity to be able to get into the area at a distance and, and not blow anything. Like I can almost kind of backdoor it and not hurt anything. I know I can't, it is so bulletproof, um, just to kind of monitor. But where I'm at with it is like the wind is perfect for me for this situation, but he is not coming through on that wind. So a lot of people probably listen to this are like, and you're, you're included might think I'm a dumbass, but I know I can get in and get out without spooking these deer and I'm under the impression because this is how my head works is like well what if he's just on a rotation of like you know maybe he only hits it for a couple days and then he does a he does a rotation you know he does maybe a loop and then he's gonna hit it for another couple days like I want to be there when he hits it I think in my head that he's only hitting on a particular win but really is he thinking that I fuck. I don't know. Like, I'm not that privy with whitetails, but it's like I want to be there if he's going to, you know, on if he's on like a rotation. I is that stupid to think? I guess I don't know. <laughs> no, no. But, I I I like I like that that mentality with it because there are so many variables, and we think a deer is doing something a certain way and right. we can use those patterns to our advantage, you know, to, to be able to make a calculated move. But at the same time, the deer aren't thinking like we're thinking, they're probably not even thinking that hard about it. No. And, and, uh, you know, not, not at all. And I, and so like, if you can get in and get out and you're not doing any damage, why wouldn't you like that? That's my thought process on it and and you have the ability to be able to do so heck yeah like put put your odds in 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 your favor to to have that chance of him being able to to do that and it also depends on like how much data you have on that you know if it's you know on on a one week span that he happened to hit it three days in a row on a southwest wind well maybe that's part of his rotation and maybe you know uh seven days later he's going to come back and do that on northeast wind I don't know. That's where I'm at with it. It's like, yeah. And that, that, so that to me is like, I just think that, that, yeah, don't, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I agree with you on that. Yeah. So in my whole thing is, is like, we're supposed to be getting a East Northeast wind on opening night. And I'm like, but it switches, you know, it might be Southeast. And if it's Southeast, then it's going to be iffy. Like I need a straight East and even better Northeast would be perfect. And I'm like, okay, I can get in and I can get out. But the reason why I'm thinking this is back in 2015, I shot a buck on opening night, October 1st night. And dude, this deer on a Northeast wind did exactly what this deer is doing, but he was kind of on a rotation like he was like I had very sporadic camera intel on him at that point and I'm like well it's literally I went in there because I knew it was a safe play like it was it was a prototypical like safe play but it could happen here 
You know what I mean? And I'm just kind of dipping my toe into the molasses or whatever, just dipping it in there, see what I can get. And then I'm going to ease out, just kind of play with it. And the damn thing showed up. And, you know, he showed up like an hour and 45 minutes before dark. No, it wasn't that long. Sorry, I just lied to you. It was like an hour before dark. And I'm like, holy shit, he showed up out of nowhere, showed up with the wind to his back. With the windows back the whole way, he did not have the wind at all. And I killed this deer at 18 yards. And I'm like, and I've got the carbon copy situation right now coming out of his bedding. Wind would be at his back and they're unpressured deer right now. So I'm like, I feel like I have to try it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So no, that's that, my play, that, I think. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I like it. And I, I've talked to um about the wind at their back. I talked, I, I hadn't really talked to anybody up until this point that was like very adamant on that, Um, th- uh, depending on the situation. And Mike Perry, who I talked to um on the podcast, has seen that a lot and he's told some stories about it. And I, and I think that, and, and again, I think that we as hunters overthink that and if the deer feels safe for whatever reason whether it's lack of pressure whether it's they have good visual or they have cover or whatever it is they're gonna do whatever makes them feel safe it doesn't matter sure. what you know that you know they're not sitting there on weather underground in the morning be like eh, shit southwest wind i can't i'm gonna have to hook around this way today right. to go into the, <laughs> the the bed, you know? And I'm sure there's times when the deer are moving and they're like, well, well, uh, I'm just going to chance it today. I haven't had, I haven't <laughs> yeah. had any issues with this in the past, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but if he's been, if he's been, uh, if he's caught you in the tree twice doing it, then uh, that might be a different, different spot. But <laughs> that's, yeah. I, I don't know, man. Like I, when it looks, when I look at October's too, like, it's always been for me, like, what opportunities do I have to hunt? And sometimes I will push that envelope a little bit for sure. to, to, to yep. be able to, to hunt. And, um, you know, if I, if I have those chances, uh, versus, um, versus being, I'm not going to sit at home, you know, maybe I'll pick right. a different tree or do something, but like, I, I, I I'm going to find a way to be out if I can. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's just, I don't know. That's I, I I was actually just talking about that and I keep referencing other podcast episodes, but that's when I've had these conversations and Greg Litzinger was talking about that and and uh you know, when just talking about not overthinking it with October and how things are gonna change, you know, once Halloween hits, like you mentioned earlier in the Yeah earlier in the podcast here. Like it it I don't know. Man, deer are just they're incredible animals. They make our head spin like crazy. <laughs> yeah. It's like it, and and I say this now as if I'm like super confident with it, but yeah, I still struggle with it myself. Is just like being able to to take the information that's in front of you, what you know, what you think you know, and putting together a plan and going with it versus going through too many what ifs. Yep. Yeah. I couldn't agree more, man. So it, when I text, so when I text you uh, October twenty eighth, and I'm panicking because I I'm sitting at a spot <laughs> at five o'clock in the morning in my truck, and I'm not sure whether I need to go left or right. Then you need to tell me. I just need to settle down and go with what, what my gut exactly. Tells me. And that's what that's what good <laughs> hunting buddies are for. Because I yeah. have a buddy that I do the same thing. Like I talked about it. I actually recorded a podcast earlier today, and I feel like I'm on that podcast again because we talked about like. <clears throat> 
you know, having that buddy or group of friends, like I, mine's kind of a tight knit group, but like, it's just that one dude I turn to and it's like, Hey man, like I'm in a tizzy right now, like ground me kind of thing. And he, he knows to not tell me what I want to hear, but explains it really well to be like, no, the, the, he plays devil ad, advocate really well. And like, you know, let's think of this whole process. And I find myself doing it to him or other people too. And I'm like, man, why don't I just take my own, you know, oh, my own my advice, gosh. you know? How, yeah. Like the, that was the same thing last year. My dad was, was hunting like just a, an incredible deer in Pennsylvania. And, and, and we, and, you know, he was, and my dad's you know, the best hunter that I know. And I, I look up to him and, and he, he was like struggling. He was hunting, you know, close to 20 days for this deer at this point and had some encounters and he's like you know he's getting down to last it was literally down like the last day that he had to hunt and then he was was leaving to go out to montana visit my brother and he's like he's like i'm just shooting whatever comes by at this point you know and i'm like talking to him i'm like no like (laughs) like you there's a really good chance the conditions are right you've had encounters with him he was in there with the doe a couple days beforehand like you know and i'm talking to him like you know and if I were in that situation, I'd be doing the same thing as him. And, yeah. you know, then, and then he had, he got the encounter that day on day 21 of, of going after him and he, and he shot it. And then he, he's texting me. He's like, I'm not sure about the shot. He did this. Well, maybe, he, <laughs> maybe, maybe he, maybe he wasn't kicking his back legs. Like he was double lung. Maybe he was just hopping over a log. I'm like, no dad. Like, <laughs> you, know, you know, I'm talking to him. Like he's talking to me. Like, I'm like, all right, no, like look at the situation. Yeah. What is it telling you? And just, you know, chill out and let it, let it play out. And it's, it's so hard when you're in that situation, but when you're on the outside, but again, that's why you have good buddies to, yep. to be able to, to talk to you about it. Because sometimes you do need that, that outside help and you need somebody that's not going to just agree with you. That's a bad exactly. Thing. You, you do, need somebody that's yep. going to tell you exactly what the hell is going on and tell you, uh, yeah, you're, you're either being super dumb about it and you're, you're not thinking clearly um, and you need to get your shit together and, and, and get on the right path. Or, <laughs> you know, you can't have somebody be like, oh, yeah, maybe you're right. You know, it's OK. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and if and if anybody listening to this podcast doesn't take anything out of this podcast, this hour and a half we've been talking, take this out of there. Be a good hunting buddy. And I'm, I'm being a hundred percent serious with this because I treat these, Bo, if you were to come with, come to me and ask me a situation, I treat these uh, the way that I would want to get the information. Like don't make it all posies and roses. Like I want to know, like if I gut shot this deer, like that's the big one. It's like shot placement. Where'd you hit it? Well, let's yep. start thumbing through all these, you know, you go through your whole phone book of like asking everybody, everybody does it. It's like, don't just tell me what I want to hear. Give me the experience you've had. Have you had deflection? Well, I did have deflection this one time. This is what happened, you know, or whatever. Like, shoot them straight. And it might be a tough pill to swallow every once in a while, but that's the reality. Like, you need that to stay grounded, and it's it's going to make you learn, you know, and be better, in my opinion. Yep. No, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. It'll save you a lot of, uh, time headaches, all that stuff. Someone shoots straight and, and, and I try to be that for, for everybody that, that I'm around or are talking to, you know, there's, there's a way of, uh, and there's also a way of disagreeing with somebody without being an ass too. So yeah, hundred sure percent. You, you do that, you know, it's not yep. like, you know, if you were to be like, Oh yeah, I hit this deer, you know, I hit him a little back. Do you think I caught liver? Do you think that's guts instead of being like, 
you dumbass. Like that's that's straight <laughs> gut. First of all, practice more. Um, no, <laughs> it's Dude, like, don't go to the yeah, tree there's trunk. A, there's a way of ex- yeah. There's a way of explaining it a little bit yeah. different. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree, man. So basically, everybody, what Bo is saying, hit him up in the DMs this fall. Whenever you need, uh, you know, some words of wisdom or, you know, some guidance, hit Bo Martonic up at East Meets West and he'll he'll help you out. <laughs> well, now now what's going to happen is on any of my YouTube videos or anything I say on a podcast, people are going to comment and tell me what I did wrong. And I'm going to be like, <laughs> well, I really screwed myself here. Yeah. Well, I'll probably get the same thing. So, <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Well, Bo, I, I want to wrap this up here. I, dude, I, I could talk for two more hours, but I know you're running low on card space, and I I, <laughs> I hit a lot of the things I want to hit on, and, uh, dude, this was good. I appreciate you doing this, man. Yeah, no, I appreciate you having me on. I, I really enjoyed this conversation. I think, uh, like, like you said, if anybody takes anything from it through all the BS that I had on here, listen to this last part and and repeat it. That's that's what I'll yep. say. But no, thank you so for much sure. for having me on. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, no problem, man. So before you do go, like let everybody know where they can find your podcast, you know, your YouTube channel, everything. Just hit it, hit the whole thing so people know where to to get your content if they've been living under a rock and have no idea who you are. I don't know about that, but I <laughs> if you if people want to check it out, the East Meets West Hunt podcast, anywhere you listen to podcasts, East Meets West Hunt dot com. My YouTube channel is just under my name, uh, Bo Martonic. And then if you either type in Bo Martonic or East Meets West on Instagram, Facebook, you'll be able to to find me on there. But uh, definitely the the podcast is the main gig YouTube channel. So check those things out. And I, I really do appreciate it. No problem, man. Well, I know we'll have to do this again, maybe this fall, you know, maybe or after the fall. I don't know, but we should make this a reoccurring thing, dude. And uh, yeah, again, greatly appreciate it, man. Yeah, we got we got to go through your scenario and how it works out here opening day, and then you know we can we can tear it apart. Well, I'm not calling my shot right now. You know, like I said, it's just one of those <laughs> things. I'm gonna I'm gonna scroll. I'm gonna stroll in, and if he happens to walk by, maybe I'll maybe I'll take a take a poke at him. But uh, you know, it's a northeast wind. What what can you do? And it's one of those things. Does I want to be in the woods? So it's like I'm gonna do a a a, a low impact hunt, and it could happen. We'll see. I don't know. Yeah. Hey, and you notice I didn't offer my own, uh, situation there. So I'm just, I'm putting that back on you, you know, I'm, for sure. I'm not offering me to call a shot and, and do that, but, uh, <laughs> for sure, no, man. But man, good, good luck to you, uh, here and, and, uh, sure. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Good luck to you as well. Thanks again, Bo. And there you have it. Thank you very much, Bo, for coming on and doing this, man. That was an awesome conversation. Guys, I just a couple of reminders, go check out all the partners that, uh, really support me and I support them. They're great people, great companies. Um, Thank you guys very much for all the downloads and all the support and everything. Don't forget to uh, check out the new series of the season 22 that I'm putting out on the same RSS feed. If you guys like it, uh, let me know about it. So thank you guys very much. And don't forget, we'll be right here next time on the fall podcast.